Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. All right, grab your Bibles. We'll get into the message here. Uh, a few weeks ago, I preached a message called Light Up Your World. And um, by the way, for those of you who don't know, the, the mission statement of our church is we exist to light up the world with the love of Jesus. And kind of our tagline there is light up your world. And when, when someone sees that coming to church, like, I need to light up my world. I'm going to come to church. But then when you come to church, you find out you're supposed to be the church everywhere you go. And really, the implication is light up your world. You guys go out and light up the world with the love of Jesus. Amen? So I gave a message called Light Up Your World, and this is what happened. The Lord gave me a, uh, a prophetic picture of where we are currently at as a church. And I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. Um, early in May, I was just kind of normally watching YouTube videos and just kind of hanging out before I went to bed. And um, I watched the SpaceX launch, SpaceX launch because I'm kind of into that stuff. But I found this unusual attraction to, like, the minute details of a SpaceX launch. And honestly, to the point, because there's been a few occasions in my life where people are ministering to me, praying over me, and, and the Holy Spirit makes you vulnerable and susceptible to what is happening. And everything else kind of drowns out. And I was having a kind of a similar experience. Like, okay, God, I feel like you're actually highlighting this video to me, which is strange, right? And so... Um, I just pray about it, kind of give it to God, and I go to bed. Well, about a month goes by, and before, uh, before the service on June 6th, um, I'm getting ready for service, and as I do many weeks, I'm, you know, get before the Lord, I'm like, okay, God, what do you want to say <laughs> to the people? Give me a message, you know, and sometimes he speaks very clear, and other times I shoot from the hip, but <laughs> that week, um, that week I was not shooting from the hip. Um, I felt like the Lord highlighted that video. He said, hey, remember that video that I was highlighting to you back then? Um, he highlighted it to me and um, gave me a, a prophetic picture for where we are at as a church. Um, not only where we are at, but where we have been, where we are, and where things are going. There's actually much more I could talk about, and I don't have time to get into it. About, I, I believe it paints a prophetic picture for us of where things are going in the future. So where we've been, where we're at, and where, where we are going. So if you didn't hear that message on June 6th, I just want to encourage you, go back and listen to that. In fact, we're going to send out our newsletter here, uh, our e-newsletter here in just a couple days, and we'll, we'll tag that in that video or in that email. So if you didn't hear it, please do so, because if you consider this your home church, I think that was a pivotal message for us if this is your home church. Um, uh, it was an encouragement to me um, to, to, to be able to release that and, and the Lord giving us an idea of where we're at as a church. Um, on that note, by the way, I had a couple of our pastoral staff message me this last week, and they said, hey, you know uh, Pastor Chris Valatin from Bethel Church in Redding, California? He's preaching this message, and he says he was watching a SpaceX launch, and the Lord highlighted to him that this is a prophetic picture of where they're at as a church as well. And I just want you to know, I preached it first, so... <laughs> So, no, the only reason I say that is I preached it before him because I didn't rip it off from him. The Lord really did lead me to that. But it, but it also kind of encouraging to me. It's like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like other people hear God in this kind of way. You know, it was an unusual way to, to get a word from the Lord, and, um, but it was good. So, um, so this week, what I want to do, um, I want to put a little more meat on the bone and talk about 
Um, there's, there's two stages of, of, a, of a launch. There's, there's the first stage where it um, goes up, and then the first stage um, separates, and then the second stage takes it um, into space. Um, and that's what I preached about a couple weeks ago. But I want to talk a little bit more and put a little more meat on the bone about what this second stage looks like. Um, uh, I answered this question in my message a few weeks ago, but why are there two stages anyway? Okay, um, the, the answer is there are different designs. Stage one is efficient at sea level, but not at higher elevations. Stage two is efficient in the vacuum of space, but not at sea level. That's why there's two different ones. So this is the point I made. Some people, systems, and strategies are really amazing when you launch a church. Okay, We launched this church three and a half years ago. Some people, systems, and strategies are really amazing, work really well, but there are other people, systems, and strategies that work well later on into a church's um, development, okay? And so we, I, I believe we are moving into and are in a new season. Here's the three points I made um, in that message. What does the second stage of this uh, look like for us as a church? Number one, we have to win and continue to win the war in the spiritual realm. Number two, we need to build people. That's what the second stage looks like. And number three, we need to love relentlessly, Okay. And so I want to take those three points that I made in that message a few weeks ago, and I want to preach a message on each one of those points. So today, I want to talk about winning the war in the spirit realm. I want to just put a little more context, a little more meat on that bone. Um, Spiritual warfare, if you're a Christian, spiritual warfare is important to us. And many Christians have no idea what spiritual warfare is. They just kind of think they, you know... Now we lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. You know what I mean? We have to learn the art of warfare, the art of spiritual warfare. If you've never been brought up in this, get around people who are familiar with this. In fact, I was talking to someone at the beginning of service, and they're like, I didn't know how to pray. So they got around. How many know Brad Tuttle? Brad Tuttle, just man of God, prayer warrior. Um, they got around Brad Tuttle and like, learn, teach me how to pray. And they learned how to become intercessors and warriors in the spirit by just being around warrior intercessor people. And so... Uh, in fact, I'll say this, I'm teaching about this, but much of this, uh, more than taught, is caught. And so many times, just learning that culture and learning how to do these things, you have to get around people who know these things. Okay? You have to get around people who know the ways of the Holy Spirit, who know how to walk in the Spirit to, to sh- demonstrate to you these things. Right? There's, there's, there's teach them, show them, watch them, coach them. There's all those, those, different, um, those different steps. It's more than just information, Okay. So I'm going to talk about this today, <clears throat> winning the war in the spirit realm. Here's the deal. We are in, um, there are spiritual principalities that do not want us to succeed at proclaiming the good news of Jesus to this world. Okay. Um, they are in opposition to us. There are spiritual uh, principalities. And it's just like in the, in the natural realm. You have organizations where you have a leader, and then under that leader you have other leaders and and it fans out. The same, it's the same way in the kingdom of darkness. There is Satan who is the leader of the kingdom of darkness, and there are principality demons over regional areas, and demons, there's a hierarchy in the demonic realm. And you can, um, many of you who are sensitive to this would know what this is like, but you might drive from Greeley to another area and just feel the spiritual atmosphere in that, in that area is different. I'll give you an example of this. My wife and I were helping my brother do some moving in, in Longmont yesterday, and we thought, hey, we're going to be close to um, the mountains. Let's, let's go into Boulder, and let's do a little bit of hiking, you know? And listen, Boulder is a beautiful city, 
beautiful city, beautiful county. But how many know the spiritual atmosphere? It feels different there, doesn't it? There's a different spiritual dynamic there. In fact, I would say there's, um, this is how I would maybe define it. There's an intellectual humanistic stronghold over that city and over that region, okay? Not necessarily um, the same everywhere. Uh, Northern Colorado, there's, there are um, uh, strongholds of suicide and depression and strongholds of witchcraft in Northern Colorado. Okay, if you didn't know that, now you know that. Now you know how to pray, okay? And so there are, uh, the way, where we live in the different regions, and you could talk to missionaries who live in different parts of the world, there are different demonic strongholds, different um, influences in different parts of the world, okay? Now, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but in order for a rocket to be moving fast enough to stay in orbit, it has to get above the resistance of the atmosphere. It has to get above the Get above the atmosphere. The atmosphere impedes the momentum needed to sustain a nominal orbit. Okay, so we as Christians, we need to be walking in the spirit, right? Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We need to get above the stuff. The Bible actually says in Ephesians, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. How are we seated with him if we're sitting right here, right? Listen, here's the deal. He's in us, but we're also in him. And that's kind of a mystery. That's a mysterious thing. But currently, guess what? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And you're in him. You're seated with him in heavenly places. If we realize who we are in Jesus, we would realize the authority that we have, that we can actually influence the, um, the spiritual atmosphere of this world because we're seated in Christ. Okay? And so... Um, the demonic spirit realm is trying to impede the church's mission to light up this dark and fallen world. And I don't just mean City Lights Church. I mean the church of Jesus all over the globe, okay? The, the kingdom of darkness is trying to impede the church's ability to make a difference in, in this world, okay? So I want to make a few points about how to win the war in the spirit. And then I want to, at the end of this message, I just want to highlight what are our spiritual weapons. We have spiritual weapons, what are those spiritual weapons, okay? So point number one, how do we win the war in the spirit realm? Point number one is this. Realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against Nancy Pelosi, okay? Or Bill Gates or anyone else, okay? Your battle is not... Matter of fact, we need to be praying for these people, Right? I had this, I, I, I wonder if there were some audacious people that thought this thought, what would happen if, if Justin Bieber got saved? And then they started praying into it. And then Justin Bieber got saved and he's a Christian. I bet there's some people that had this audacious thought, what would happen if Kanye West got saved? And then people started praying for Kanye West and he had crazy things going on. And all of a sudden the guy gets saved and he puts out some like amazing Christian music. Okay. I wonder, like, in the, in the Bible, you guys know Paul was, like, the persecutor, the persecutor of Christians, right? And what, I bet you some Christians got together and, like, I have this crazy idea. I have this crazy, you know that guy, Paul, who we all know is going to hell because he's killing, you know, he was there at the stoning of Stephen. He's killing Christians. Like, hear me out. Hear me out now, guys. I have this crazy idea. What if we prayed, hear me what if we prayed that Paul got saved and converted to Christianity? 
Whoa, right? Radical idea. Well, as we know, Paul, who was a persecutor, murderer of Christians on the road to Damascus, he got knocked off his you-know-what, right? And he got up and was soundly converted, right? What happened if we become audacious enough to realize that our, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit behind the people? Okay, Ephesians 6, 10 uh, through 12, I read this last week. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Okay? You might feel like it's true, and it does at times feel like that person, that person's the enemy of Christianity. That person's the enemy of my faith. That religion, that country, that whatever is the, is the enemy of all things I believe. Listen, it's not a person. It's a spirit. Okay, our war isn't against them. Our war is in the spirit realm. Okay? It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the hierarchy of demonic forces in the spiritual realm. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. But like it or not, if you are a Christian, you have been drafted into this battle that we have. Okay? You've been drafted into a spiritual battle. And you can do two things. You can sit there and you know, hide in the corner, or you can get, learn what your ammunition is and your authority is in the spirit and begin praying into it and take a stand, right? And take ground. Amen. Okay. Um, a good example of people forgetting that our war is not against flesh and blood is 2020 and the early 2021. I don't know about you, but a lot of people, and listen, and let me, let me tell you something. That is a win for Satan, to, for us to get our eye off the ball and realize if the minute we think that person, that person, that person, they're our enemy, no, it's, it's a spiritual battle. And the minute that Satan can get our eye off of, off of what the real battle is, which is a spiritual battle, he has removed our power from us as the church, okay? And so our war is not against flesh and blood. That's point number one. Point number two, even though... It's not against flesh and blood. Point number two is realize that spiritual battles have natural consequences. Okay, spiritual battles have natural consequences. Um, let me say this, okay. Many times, not all the time, but many times, sickness, depression, anxiety, fear, unhealthy thoughts, lust, greed, gossip, slander, rage, substance abuse, and even poverty can be because of the influence of demonic oppression. Okay? I'm going to say that again just so that it sinks in. Many times, sickness, depression, anxiety, fear, unhealthy thoughts, lust, greed, gossip, slander, rage, substance abuse, and even poverty can be demonically energized. Okay? Not all the time, but many times they are. And I'm going to show you um, from Scripture where it is. Okay? Okay? Another, well, okay, let's read the scripture, then we'll come back and talk about it. Luke uh, 13, 10 through 17, it says this. On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. A woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. Come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. 
Don't go to that guy's church. Verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. Okay, Here you can see that there was an evil spirit, a demonic spirit, behind the infirmity. And I did a study on this um, a couple years ago. But I had, I had the question, of the times that Jesus performed a lot of miracles, some of them were signs and wonders, like when he turned water into wine, but of the times that he healed someone, how many times, what is the percentage where he uh, directly addressed a, a, a demon, directly addressed a demonic evil spirit? And what you'll find is that at least 25% of the time, when Jesus was ministering healing to people, he was casting out a spirit or telling a spirit to leave someone. Now, it might be higher than that, and I would think it, it, it possibly is higher than that because Jesus didn't always command the spirit. Like we just saw here, actually, he said, he said to the woman, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. He didn't even talk to the demon, but it says here that there was a, a, a spirit. And so at least 25% of the time, there was a spirit behind the infirmity. Now, the reason why... It, I want to make sure, you know, it's not 100% of the time because many times we get into condemnation thinking, oh, my knee hurts, therefore I'm, you know, I must have a demon. Or my knee hurts, therefore I must be in sin or something like that. And listen, sin can and does open the door for many times for sickness to strike your body. It is true. But you certainly don't want to go around saying, oh, if someone's sick, therefore they must be in sin. Okay, so we don't want to do that. But what I do want to highlight to you is that there is a demonic realm. There is a spiritual realm. It is real, and we need to address it. And many times, when we're praying for people, sometimes there's a spirit behind it. And sometimes, and you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do you want me to address this? Do you want me to just pray for this person? You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit about what to do in that moment. Okay, so here's the deal. Demons are real, but Jesus really does help us deal with them. And Jesus does deal with them. Amen? Okay. All right, point number three, how do we win the war in the spiritual realm? Point number three, realize spiritual battles are real battles. Okay, I don't want to, I want to unsugarcoat this today. (laughs) Okay, spiritual battles, it's not something that the ladies do on Tuesday night here at the church for a few hours, okay? (laughs) Seriously, spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's something we all should be engaged in, okay? Spiritual warfare is real warfare. It's not hypothetical warfare. It's not metaphorical warfare. It's not imaginary warfare, and it's not a game, okay? It's real warfare that is in the spiritual realm, and it has natural consequences and natural implications. Amen? Okay, here's the deal. Jesus has already won the victory, but in this current dispensation, we, the church on earth, have to enforce the victory, We have to enforce what Jesus did. Let me ask you this question today. Are you an enforcer? Are you an enforcer of the cross? Are you an enforcer of the victory that Jesus won for us? Come on. It's good stuff right there. Okay. So if we're going to win spiritual, um, if we're going to 
win the war in the spirit, we need to take ground by winning spiritual battles. Many of us face spiritual battles all the time. And the worst thing, this is the worst thing that happens, sometimes you go through something and you don't realize it's a spiritual battle. That the, the best thing that can happen to you is that the light comes like, hey, maybe this is a spiritual battle. And then you know how to fight it. But if you think I'm just like having a bad day or this is all happening in my family or whatever's going on in your finances or your body or your kids, if you always just think, oh, that's a poor me, many times that light will come. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I'm in a spiritual battle, aren't I? Now I know how to dress it. Now I know how to approach it. Amen? Okay. I want to give you an example, though, because I just want to, I don't want to sugarcoat spiritual warfare. It is, it is warfare, okay? And we're in it. Um, I want to just give an example from Scripture. There, is, there was a natural battle happening here, but there's also a supernatural battle happening next to it. But I think it illustrates to us <laughs> what, what the process many times looks like for us. Looks like, looks like for us okay? um, Joshua is the successor of, of uh, Moses, and he's supposed to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land. And this is what it says, Joshua 1 through 3. After the, death of, um, after the death of the servant Moses, servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, uh, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people are to get ready to cross the Jordan River into a land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give to you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Okay? What a cool promise, right? I'm going to give to you everywhere your foot sets. That's yours. Take it, right? So they just waltzed right on in and, took, and just took the territory, right? There were people living over here and people living over here, and they're like, hey, we'll take this. And then they just left, and they just left. No, that's not what happened, right? He said, I'll give to you all the land, but then they had to fight battle after battle after battle. The only one that God just single-handedly took the enemy down was Jericho, the first one was like, and that would feel pretty good. And you're like, oh, is this how it's going to be? We just walk around the city, the walls fall down, done. You know, that, was, that only happened once. Then they go into the promised land, and then they fight battle after battle after battle after battle, okay? If you, so that's Joshua 1. If you jump 12 chapters later, okay, there is a list of 31 kings that had to be defeated. Listen, kings don't want to be defeated, Okay? Kings don't like to give up their power. They don't like to give up their stuff. Those kings had to be beat. Okay? Now, God gave them the victory, yes, but they had to be beat. Okay? Um, 31 specific leaders had to be dealt with. And, look, this is how, and this is how chapter 13 starts. Joshua 13.1. The, the caption of the, the title of the chapter is, land still, be ta- land still to be taken. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old. And there is still very large areas of land to be taken over. So the guy had been working hard, leading the children of Israel. And God says, hey, there's still a lot to be done. Okay? There, it, what am I saying? It was a process. Okay? Spiritual warfare, many times, is a process. It's winning battle after battle after battle after battle. Okay? Yes, um, Jesus said, you shall have authority over over demonic, the demonic realm, over, over demons. You shall have authority. Like Jesus said that, right? But how many know in practical terms, many times we have to get into the trenches and get tough and win these battles, okay? <clears throat> the Lord helped them in those battles, but those battles were still like dogfights, okay? 
there was a process. So my point is this. Don't be surprised when you stir up the hornet's nest and things get a little crazy. Okay? <clears throat> Many times when we sign up to do something amazing for God, I don't know, God kind of tricks us. You know, he kind of, it's, like, um, it's like Joseph. He gives them this dream about, you know, how great he was going to be and God was going to use him. And then his life was really, really hard for a long time after that, right? It's many times like that with us. He gives us a promise, but then there's like a process, right? Okay. So an example from my own life is this. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in the service, and I talked about how when a rocket goes up, right about the time it hits a sound barrier, it hits max Q, which is the maximum dynamic pressure on the vehicle. And then as the atmosphere gets thinner, it, it, that pressure lessens. Well, I, um, I believe that served as an example for us. 2019, for us, was crazy. My wife broke her neck. She had two surgeries, cancer, insane year. Okay, that, that was a crazy year for us. I, I talked about that a couple weeks ago. And, and to be honest, there were times where I wanted to quit. I was like, God, if, if this, if, th- if what is happening here is because of, like, this church that we're leading, like... I don't know if I want this. You know what I'm saying? Seriously, if I'm being honest. Like, maybe you could have this church, you know? Um, But listen, but we went to the Lord. We got strengthened. We got encouraged. We got back in the fight. We got back in the battle. And I'm only talking about what all of you go through as well. People want to quit sometimes, right? That was an extremely difficult season for us. And we go through spiritual battles. They're very difficult. We want to quit many times. But listen, we have to surround ourselves with people, get encouraged, get in the word, get in faith. Amen? Um, if I'm reading the book of Job right now. And if we see what happens if God removes his hand of protection over our lives. Satan immediately, immediately, he, he couldn't kill Job, but he immediately struck Job, all of his family, all of his wealth, and then his body, right? That's what Satan would do to you if there was no protection over you. He would immediately take you out completely 100%, okay? Here's my point. The battle is real. It requires perseverance. It requires persistence. It requires some grit. How many, how many gritty people we got in here today? Do we got some gritty folk up in here? Okay. Um, I was talking to Evan, Evan before the service, but um, I'm a runner, and I'm not always motivated to run. People think, oh, Kurt, you're so motivated because you run all the time. No, I'm like, it's a lot of, motiv- it takes a lot of motivation many times to get to the gym. And I have, um, <clears throat> I have an inner dialogue that gets me out the door. And many of you won't know who this is, and you're going to check after this, but there's a Navy SEAL named David Goggins. <laughs> my wife, see, my wife's already shaking her head. I didn't talk to her about this ahead of time because I didn't want her to stop me. <laughs> I thought, David Goggins, so he was a former Navy SEAL, he does lots of motivational stuff, and he's on Instagram and stuff, and I thought, that would be a great example of grit and perseverance, because he's always just talking about just getting out and doing it and whatever it takes, you know, and um, I thought, I'll play a David Goggins clip at service at church, but here's here's the honest truth, I couldn't find one clip of him where he didn't cuss a whole bunch, he just cusses all the time, so don't judge me. But sometimes when I can't get motivated, I'm just like, I need, I need some David Gogan right now. 
It's 11 o'clock at night. I miss my run from the day. I want to go to bed, but I need to get these miles in. And it's like, all right. So that's kind of, listen, but what, what does he have? He has grit. Like Navy SEALs have grit, right? Y'all need some grit. Okay, we need some grit. We need some spiritual perseverance. Stop giving up. Stop quitting. This is, we're in a spiritual battle, and we need to have grit. It requires time. It requires energy. It requires you to love. It requires, the, there's the thrill of victory, and there is the agony of defeat many times. Listen, when you, when you sign up to pray for someone who's terminal, terminal, term, oh, help me out. Terminally ill. Gosh, because sometimes the words just evaporate when you're up here. If you sign up for, to pray for someone who's dying, you're signing up to get in the trenches with them, to look them in the eye, and if they get healed, you get to rejoice with them, but if they die, you get to mourn with a family, okay? This, this thing, people think like, oh, this church, you guys just think it's so amazing, you know, he's good, he's good, which he is, but when you have a high level of hope and expectation for people, there's also a lot of encounter with disappointment, Okay? And so just because we believe in miracles, we believe in hope, we believe in bringing hope to people and, and healing and, um, and financial and, and, and restoring marriages and all those things, when you're in the trenches with people, you're signing up many times for the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, okay? It requires some grit, all right? And so it's a real spiritual battle. So I, this is what I want to do. I want to conclude just by talking about what are our spiritual weapons? What are our spiritual weapons? Okay, how do we fight? Christians, how do we fight? Okay, I have seven things here. There are more, but I have seven. Okay, number one, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, the name above all names, is one of our spiritual, one of our spiritual weapons. We pray in the name, in the authority of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, as Leslie said here at the beginning of the service, Philippians 2. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord. Number two, the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. It says in uh, Revelation 12, 11, they overcame by the blood of the lamb, the lamb is Jesus, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So that story that God is building in you, that, that background narrative of his faithfulness in your life, that's, part, that's one of your weapons. Okay, that faithfulness of his goodness, of his kindness, of the storms he brought you through, that's one of your weapons. You need to recall that. Because listen, much of spiritual warfare, we think of spiritual warfare many times out here, much of spiritual warfare is right here. It's right in between your ears, okay? The battlefield of mind is a huge place for spiritual warfare. And if you can remember the blood of the lamb, that I'm righteous before him, there's no distance between me and God. He's made me holy and pure just like him because of the blood of Jesus, if you remember, because how many know the accuser wants you to not think that? The accuser doesn't want you to know that you're one with God, that you've been brought near, that you are seated with him in heavenly places. And the word of your testimony, okay? It's so good. Okay, number four, the word of God. Okay, the word of God, the Bible. Listen, if you're not in here, you're not in the fight. If you're not in the word, you're not in the fight. You need to get in the fight, amen? Okay, Bible. Number five, prayer, and I put here in parentheses, especially prayer in the Spirit. Especially prayer in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay? Pray in the Spirit. Now, what is praying in the Spirit? <clears throat> Let me say this. It's possible to pray in the Spirit in 
English and understanding. In fact, when you go to pray, you want to pray through. You want to pray until you get into the spirit realm, until you get... Does this make sense? You want to pray till you... There's that lethargy and you're kind of repeating yourself and on board and what time is it? And also when you break through into the spirit, you're now praying spiritual prayers and time flies and you're having a good time, okay? Many Christians don't know what it's like to press through the flesh and press through the distractions, press through all that stuff to break into the spiritual realm and then start praying spiritual prayers, okay? So it's possible to, in your understanding, pray and, and pray in the spirit. Now I'll say this. There's another type of praying in the spirit, which is called praying in tongues, Okay, those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the gift of speaking in tongues, that's always praying in the Spirit. So sometimes praying, uh, praying natural prayers, uh, prayers of your understanding is praying in the Spirit, but always praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues is prayer in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, prayer is one of our weapons. Okay, especially prayer in the Holy Spirit. Okay, number six, fasting. Just felt the... Yay. I got a yay up front here. It's true. It's true. And listen, it seems like, oh, no, fasting. Here we go. Um, I'm not like an amazing faster. I'm not standing up here um, saying like, I'm so great at fasting. I'm not. Like, I like to eat. (laughs) Food is a joy. God created food. It is so good. But um, there are times where God, hey, skip this meal or skip these two meals or don't eat today when when you're supposed to be praying for something. Many times fasting will enhance um, your prayers. And there's, it's a little bit mysterious. It's not, it's not about works, but it is about cooperating with the Holy Spirit to subdue your flesh and get into the spirit realm to make a difference. So fasting. Number seven, love. Love is spiritual warfare. Okay, I mentioned one of my points. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. How, do, how should we respond to them? We should respond in love. Okay, that is actually spiritual warfare. Okay, so the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, the word of God, prayer, fasting, and love are our spiritual weapons. All right? Amen. I'm going to close, and then we'll, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. All right. So, Father, I pray for this church. God, we are, I believe we're in the second stage of this church, Lord, we're, we're past the first stage. We're into the second stage. And one of the ways, God, um, to, to succeed in this second stage is to win the war in the supernatural, win the war in the spirit realm, Lord. And God, I just pray we would learn the art of warfare in the spiritual realm, that every Christian, under the sound of my voice, would understand who they are in Christ Jesus and understand that they um, are drafted in this battle. God, help us to know these weapons. Help us to walk in the spirit, to be above the drag of that atmosphere, the drag of the spiritual realm, and to um, walk in your spirit, Lord, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I just commission and release Christians today, Lord God, to know who they are in Christ Jesus. And, God, I just pray encouragement and strength over these believers here today. We just release authority right now in the spirit realm. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.